What are you doing? Serena, listen. Listen to me. Give me my child. Listen to me, okay? Please. I can get her out. Science, history, unraveling the mystery that all started with a big bang. We were going crazy because we, we wanted to make sure that this day was perfect for you, Kate. And the reason we wanted to make sure this day was absolutely perfect for you is because that's, that's what Dad would have done. He would have made it perfect for you. of Joe's Media Corner and welcome to 2019. Hope you all had a happy new year. We're going to have another great year of media issues and answers, news and other programming, what's going on in the state of media as things continue. But we're going to start off with a look at the state of television and television ratings and programs as 2018 drew to a close and 2019 gets going. As always, we'll have Mark Berman. He's the man from ProgrammingInsider.com, great media analyst and critic who's been studying television ratings and what's popular and not for years. He'll be on in just a moment to see where is television at the end of last year and the beginning of the new year? We'll see him in a moment, but of course I want to remind you about my book, Killing Journalism, How Greed, Laziness, and Donald Trump Are Destroying News and How We Can Save It. That's at Willow Street Press, available at Amazon.com or your local bookstore. Just ask them to order it. You can see more on that and a lot of my work at JoeStrupp.com. Check out the website, see what's going on with all of those projects. And of course, we always want to talk about our sponsor, Jiminy's Dog Treats. It's from Cricket Protein. They make a delicious dog treat. Cricket protein is better than beef or chicken because it's sustainable and uses less water and land. That's Jiminy's at Jiminy's.com, J-I-M-I-N-Y-S.com. Now let's go to our interview with Mark Berman. How are you doing? I am doing very well, Joe. How are you doing? Good. Good to talk to you. Of course, you're the head man, editor, and veteran TV writer, critic, reporter for ProgrammingInsider.com, your wonderful website that covers just what it says, television. The ins and outs, ups and downs, and of course you have a long history working in and out of the television realm, either inside the business or covering the business. How are things going these days for your operation and and the issues you're seeing? You know, this is an interesting business. It's interesting because I think the business is broken out in half. I think about half the people out there are in the camp that we're working in a business where linear television is going to eventually be extinct. And then you have the other half that are basically working in a business where they do believe that the linear platform is... I'm alive and still very well, and digital is now a very important facet of it. And that, I'm in the second camp because I don't think digi- you know the linear platform was going away. And when you say linear, for those who don't know, you mean the traditional television lineup people watch based on the schedule? Or what do you mean by linear for those who don't know? When I say linear, it's basically watching TV on TV. You know, right. you don't have to watch TV live anymore. Of course, you could DVR. You can watch it on demand. There's other ways to watch it. But I don't believe for, for a moment that eventually that going away that we're just going to watch content on our mobile devices. I don't believe that's going away. And, you know, the perfect example of it is, you know, we'll have the Super Bowl coming up shortly. We'll probably have an estimated, we'll have over 100 million viewers watching it. If it was just on a digital platform, um, you're not going to have 100 million viewers. I don't believe for one second that digital is going away. And I think overall for the year, you know, the ratings for the broadcast networks, ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, and the CW, 
you know, look, they're down a little bit. They tend to come down a little each year. And that's because there's so much, so many other shows out there. I mean, we're in an era of peak TV where we're going to end the year with over 500 scripted shows, an estimated 520 scripted shows. That's a lot of content, a lot. I mean, who could watch all of that? It's crazy. And it keeps getting bigger and bigger. And for context, how does that compare to maybe 10 years ago? It's a good question, Joe. Well, I'm going to go back a bit. If you go back to the era of when I was growing up, you had three broadcast networks. A local TV station had three broadcast networks, normally three independent stations and PBS. Then eventually we had Fox. Then eventually we had the CW and UPN. Now those networks have, were, were filtered into the CW. Of course, you have Netflix and you have, you know, you have so, you know, Hulu and Amazon. So I think 10 years ago, we have, we're, we're ending the year with about 520 scripted shows. I would say 10 years earlier, we probably had about 40% of that. And the main growth is coming from places like Netflix and Hulu. I mean, every week they are just bringing out more and more content. I wonder at some point if these endless pockets are going to fill up. I mean, they keep spending and spending and spending, and they have a different model than broadcast. They don't care about the ratings. They care about subscriptions. Why are the traditional channels still holding their own, then, if there's so much competition? Well, because you have to remember, Joe, I mean, the easiest thing to do is to still put on your TV set. You know, there is still such a thing as a broadcast network hit. A couple of years ago, NBC brought out this as us exploded out of the gig it doesn't happen that often but if you put something on that people want to watch they're going to watch it you know last spring roseanne came back that was an enormous success so it's still very easy to go sit down and put your television set on or if you want to dvr or something and watch it later later time i mean people still have television sets it's not like they don't exist anymore you know it's always about no matter whether it's broadcast digital syndication no matter what it is it's about the quality of the content it's all about the content. If you put something on that viewers want to see, they will hopefully find it. It's harder to do now because there's so much competition, but it's not impossible. And are there still shows that are the family watch? You mentioned the Super Bowl. I know football and sports are, are a lot of group viewing that you don't watch a lot. of. I will watch a football or a sporting event on my cell phone if I'm out somewhere and yeah. I can't watch it regular. But if it's at home, um, I watch it with my son or friends or the family. Even we'll get around and watch certain shows together. Not as much as in the old days, obviously. But there are, I would think, still some shows that are a group viewing effort, especially sports and maybe big events. How does that sort of play into it? Or is it not that specific? Oh, I think it still exists. It doesn't exist as much as it used to. Because again, when you have so much content, there's so many choices. And you know, we live in a world now with, with a new mentality of you can it's when you want to watch, you know, where you want to watch, when you want to watch, however that goes. You don't have to wait for a show to come on, you know, on Monday at 9 o'clock. You could go to any of the streamers and watch your shows whenever you want. You could DVR and watch whenever you want. But I think there are examples of shows. I would say probably one of the, the more common shows that families might watch together uh, is This Is Us. Right. You know, it's a family this drama. It's a big hit. Yeah, it's a big hit. It's got multiple elements. But again, you know, those days kind of, you know, kind of petered out many years ago. You know, one, you know, once the DVR came, first it was the VCR, then the DVR. It, it, you know, everything kind of started shifting gears. And then, of course, now there was a lot of people out there, particularly the younger viewers, the millennial generation. They don't watch TV on TV. They watch it through their mobile devices. They don't even need to have, you know, cable or anything. And it's funny also, you can ask a, a typical 20-something-year-old, what's your favorite show? And the answer will be Netflix. I'm like, that's not a show. Right. What show do you like? 
But it doesn't mean that, you know, the linear platforms are going away. There's still an audience out there. The broadcast networks combined in an average week are still bringing in over 30 million viewers. So that's not going away. We're also in the era of the bigger and bigger and bigger TV, the flat screen. I went to someone's house the other day. They had a 72-inch TV. That is their TV. And you're not getting that big element in your cell phone. In fact, you know, the video and the image is smaller. And then there's also, yeah, I, as a matter of fact, I just bought a new 65-inch TV. And, you know, which were very cheap right now, by the way. But, you know, it's interesting also, yeah, you don't get the same experience. And then, you know, uh, and then a lot of people are out there saying that watching TV is not just watching TV anymore. You know, people are tweeting during it. They're they're posting on Facebook. And, and yes, that's absolutely true. But it kind of takes away from the experience. Because I find that if I'm, let's say I'm watching, I, I'm a big fan of Survivor. I've seen every episode, every season, every edition. If I'm watching it and I'm tweeting while I'm watching, then I'm not fully watching and I'm kind of not paying a lot of attention to it. So I find that a bit of a distraction. There's a lot of different camps out there. And it's very interesting when one person says this and another says that. I recently interviewed Robert Greenblatt, who formerly, you know, was recently running NBC. And he talked to me about all the reasons why he thinks linear television is alive and well. I recently spoke to Byron Allen. We remember him, you and I probably, from being a co-host on Real People. Yes. He now runs entertainment studios and he's got programming everywhere and he's in the same camp. He, you know, linear is not going away. There's other elements to it. And the thing about digital is, which he had told me, which is interesting, you know, you're reaching the whole world now through this digital element. There's so many more people to reach. But it's a different environment, and I mm-hmm. personally think that digital is an enhancement to our business. So there's just so much content. Like, for example, I could get off the phone with you, and I could say, let me tune into Netflix and watch whatever I want. But I'll tell you what's different, Joe. I'll tell you what really is different, and I think this is detrimental. I remember the days where you'd watch a show, and you'd go to work the next day, and everybody would be talking about right. it. Now, people, this one watches this, this one watches that. They don't watch a show. You don't have to watch a show on Monday night that runs Monday on Monday. So not everybody's watching at the same time. So you, the, the, that water cooler banter has evaporated. Also with the binge watching. I mean, I've been a big fan of uh, some of these shows like House of Cards, although I can't stand the latest season. I stopped watching after the first three episodes. It was so bad. But uh, oh, really? no shows are out. There's House of Cards, some of these other ones where they stick out a whole batch of 12, 13 shows. And if you're not watching over one weekend, like some people, you have to tell people not to tell you what's happening. Although I like the binge element, but it, yeah, it takes away from that big event approach where we used to see on a lot of shows. I remember we've talked about in the past, first of all, the final episode of MASH was one of the most viewed ones, and you had to watch it that night. There was no DVRing. There was, I think video right. recorders might have been around, but not like they are now. And other events, uh, and way back when a movie first came came on. I remember when Earthquake was first shown on NBC. It was the big event. I think they even called it the big event. And I remember the next day I was in school, but the next day everybody had watched and they were like, oh my God, this movie's on, t-. you know, you still don't get, you get that, like you mentioned with the Super Bowl and some other things. But other than that, yeah, you can watch when you want, which is a great way to watch things because if you can't watch it the night or day it's on, you can just get it later, which is good. But yeah, it does, it sort of splinters the audience in a different way than the way most people think of it. It does, without a doubt. It it really does and again you know things have changed you know a lot of it is a different experience now i mean of course you know you're coming to work 
or wherever you are the next day and you talk about and a lot of people aren't coming into work anymore a lot of people work from home so that's a whole well, other, that's another thing that's a whole other dynamic there's whatever the, the phrases you know so many people now don't have traditional jobs they do a variety of which i do a variety of different things now i and i believe you do as well and a, a lot of things have changed but to me the experience of consuming content is kind of like watching and I like to like, for example, let's go back to This Is Us. What I like about This Is Us is I watch it a Tuesday, on Tuesday. If I'm home, if not, I'll watch it, you know, another night. Then you have a ne- the next episode the next week, the next the next week. I would prefer to do it that way than to sit and watch one season in one day. Yeah. Because to me, that's rushing through it and you're missing kind of, and I've binge watched. I have binge totally. We are in the process. My wife and I want to watch season two of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And that's an example of, I believe there's eight episodes in season two. We're not going to watch eight in one sitting, but we'll probably watch a couple each time we watch it. But again, it's not like we're going to watch and go to work the next day and discuss it. It's everything's changed. Yeah. And then of course, everybody's tweeting. And so I'm not saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all for change. And I think it's important and, and it could be good. But I'm still going to be a supporter of watching TV on TV because I still think that's the way that you can do it. And with the end of the year now approaching, where do things stand for television production and viewing and certain what shows are up and down as 2018 comes to an end? And obviously, it's not the end of the season. The television season runs through the spring. But sort of as, as the calendar year ends and, and you're sort of getting to the middle of the television season, what's sort of the status? What's big? What's not? What's a surprise uh, in terms of what's being watched and popular uh, in your assessment? Well, here's the good news. There's a lot of good content. There's a lot of excellent content. I'm in the process of doing my best shows, my listing of the 10 best shows of the year. There's a lot of stuff to choose from. And, you know, Joe, it's very interesting. When I look at a show, I don't just look at, you know, some critics or most critics look at, you know, the acting and the production and the quality of the show and the scenic design and all that stuff, which is why you're going to see a show like The Americans on everybody's best list. You're going to see The Homecoming, which is with Julia Roberts on, on Amazon. You're going to see a show like, the, like I mentioned, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Atlanta on FX is on everybody's best list. But I always look at this additionally. At, at let, let's talk about a show like Impractical Jokers. Is it quality? No. Is it going to win an Emmy? No. But is it funny? Oh, hell yeah. And I think a show like that really matters. I think there's a variety of ways to look at various programs. But ultimately, there was a lot of good shows on and the broadcast networks, you know, all, uh, they're down slightly year to year but there's no concern right now you know a lot of these netflix shows are resonating you have a show like the handmaid's tale but the thing about the streamers another thing to remember is we don't ever see ratings so what you're hearing is more perception than reality and then i want to squelch a room a, a, a misconception that everybody's saying that's not true. Everybody's pointing to the Connors on ABC as being a big failure. It's not. It's not Roseanne, because last year Roseanne came back and it roared out of the gate, and it was tremendous. And we know what happened, and they retooled it. The ratings are not as strong as Roseanne, but the Connors is still ABC's most watched comedy. It's way up from what was airing there last year, which was the middle. And I think the network will keep it going. And I think they're doing it very well, by the way. I think it's really, really good. Where is it placing in the ratings? It places basically, in, it's in the top 20. Right. Again, it's ABC's most watched show. It's not doing the ratings Roseanne did, but it's still resonating. It's mm-hmm. still getting, and I think, I think they've done a very good job dealing with this as a family now who's, 
you know, the matriarch, Roseanne, passed away, and people die in real life, and that's how they're treating him. I think they're doing a very, very good job. And I don't think you'll see that on anybody's best list, but you're going to see it online. And here's another show. I'll give you one more example. No one will list this as a best show, but there's a show on Fox called The Cool Kids. Have you seen it? No, but I've heard this. Did you mention to me before? Maybe I heard it somewhere else. It's basically, it's on Friday nights at 8.30 at Last Man Standing. It focuses on three elderly male residents of a senior residence, and, and then Vicki Lawrence is on it. It's like a male version of the Golden Girls. It's very funny. How's it's it doing a in great the if For Fox, it's doing well on yeah. a Friday night, because traditionally Fox has no audience. And then Fox, you know, it's interesting what's happening to Fox. I mean, you know, they're merging with ABC, basically. They got on the map back in the 80s and 87. They, be, they got on the map by daring to be different, by doing creative shows and pushing the envelope. Now they're becoming more of a mass appeal programmer. They have football. Next year, they're probably going to have wrestling on Friday night. Oh, my gosh. Um, really? Become... On network? Network wrestling? Yeah. They're going to have... They're... Apparently, they're picking up SmackDown. So they're going to be more, much more generic than what they ever looked like. So where do and... the traditional channels rate in just in firm numbers versus the Hulus and Netflixes and, and others in general? Is it a mixed bag? Who's sort of leading the, the numbers game in terms of what is being watched, aside from what's quality? We don't know, Joe, because we don't see ratings from any of the streamers. I I don't know how anything is doing. I've mm. seen bits and pieces, but I really don't know how anything's on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon. They don't look at their success or lack of based on the audience. They don't look at it that it's way. They look at it based on, yeah, yeah, and they are getting more subscribers. Yeah. In terms of the broadcast network, CBS is still the most watched network, but they're, they've lost a lot of steam this season. They've sprung some leaks and they're going to need to repair a lot of damage. NBC is still number one in adults 18 to 49, but you have to remember, NBC has Sunday night football. So once football season ends and we're back to, you know, we don't, a football is scheduled, right. then it could be a different scenario. But right now, right now, CBS has some issues. They shouldn't have brought back Murphy Brown. It was a mistake. Didn't work. But I think overall, I think overall, as I mentioned earlier, the broadcasters are looking, you know, relatively stable. You know, everybody needs to repair certain damage. ABC has a lot of holes. Fox has holes they need to fix. The CW never really resonates in the traditional ratings. And then you have to remember that a lot of the success that you're seeing or anything, a lot of it is based on social media. So for a network like the CW, they rely on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. So there's a lot of different ways to look at it, but you can't compare a broadcast network to digital or cable because it's a different benchmark. It's different. Broadcast networks still look at the basic ratings. Digital does not. Do you think that will change at all? Will there be a way to check the ratings on these streaming, or do they not want that? Is it easier for them to... I think at some point, I think at some point it has to change. Yeah. Because I think at some point we're going to need to know... Who exactly is watching these shows? We don't know. Yeah. It's all perception. And again, I give these I give these streamers a lot of credit. They're doing some excellent, excellent programming. I mean, some, you know, boundary. This is kind of when cable became really relevant, and they were doing mm -hmm. some really good stuff. Now that's falling in the vicinity of, you know, these streamers. And I think, you know, I think they're doing some really cutting-edge yeah, like I mentioned, Homecoming on Amazon right now is a hot show. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel on a Amazon is a hot show. You know, but again, we're looking at it. We're looking at it based on perception. In terms of quality, it's definitely there. Well, it's interesting because we just had the Golden Globe nominations out, and I was taking a quick look at the TV. One of the things I like about the Golden Globes is they look at TV and movies. All yeah. of the top shows up for drama and comedy, only one of them is from a traditional network outlet. NBC for The Good Place, is that a show you know or care about or 
yeah, yeah. don't like. But the rest of uh, the top dramas are The Americans, FX, Netflix, Bodyguard. You mentioned Homecoming on Amazon, Killing Eve on BBC America, and Pose. We had the uh, one of these spokespeople from Glad a couple shows ago talking about how many gay characters there are. It's a big increase in the last year of gay characters on scripted television and and he mentioned pose i guess has a lead character who's either transgender or gay and he thought that was a yeah. great accomplishment and looking at the musical comedy series hbo nbc showtime netflix amazon i mean now again this is the quality of the show as the hollywood foreign press judge them and but you're mentioning some of the same shows as being very popular is the quality still there on the network level or does that not even necessarily matter when you talk about ratings which of course pay the bills well you know what the broadcast networks are is, there's a quality there. In some cases, yes. In, mo- in, in, in a lot of cases, no. You know, you have to also remember that if you look at, let's say, a big three network, they have to program 22 hours a week, and that's a lot of shows to program. And also, the model on a broadcast network is a traditional show will air 22 episodes a year. You look at a digital platform, and there's no set rules of how many hours of original programming a week. You're not going to see a show on a digital streamer getting 22 episodes. You might get 10. If, you, if you're lucky, you'll get 13. They could do the show. You know, they're, they're not as, as a rush to do a cookie-cutter-type show. They have more time to make it more quality. They don't have as many restrictions. They could do certain things you can't do on a broadcast network. So I think overall, the, you know, for a number of years, this is nothing new. When you look at the Emmy nominations, the Golden Globes, most of them are not on broadcast networks anymore. Right. And it's very rare that you'll see them dominate a category. And then, you know, you look at a network like CBS, what do they program? They have a lot of their generic crime solvers. We see that year after year after year. Same thing with other networks. You know, look at look at NBC. One of the probably the most successful night of programming, the, the smartest programming move was to take the three Chicago shows from Dick Wolf, put them on Wednesday. But these are not going to win Emmys. They're not going to win Golden right. Globe. That's not what these shows are. You know, you have a show like Ozark with Jason Bateman. You're not going to see that on a broadcast network. The Handmaid's Tale. You know, these are shows that, again, different rules, not as many episodes, not as many creative restrictions. So you see a lot more of the quality on, you don't see a show like Game of Thrones, which is HBO on on a broadcast network. So the rules have changed. I mean, it's different now, but but it's it's been like that for a very long time. Doesn't CBS still have a big uh, ratings winner with Big Bang Theory and now Young Sheldon? And some of their shows on on CBS, or are those the exception? You have to remember, Joe, the Big Bang Theory is going away, and that's yes. going to be a very, very big loss for CBS because yeah. logically they'll take Young Sheldon and probably move that to eight o'clock. But our viewers still going to want to watch it without the Big Bang Theory on. That's a question mark. Big Bang Theory is an anomaly. I mean, this is twelve years old. It still gets a very sizable audience. It could last for years on end. Mm. I am not convinced that it's fully going away. I mean, I have a feeling CBS is going to try to do something to spin somebody off of that. I don't think they want it to fully go away, but I could be wrong about that. This morning, listen, it's always best to leave while you're ahead. This show had a twelve season run, and that's phenomenal. There yeah, are, that's you know, it, almost you unheard of today. Sure. It's phenomenal. I mean, listen, it's the second longest running live action sitcom in the history of television. The longest is The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet, which I'm even too young. I mean, I'm, I'm not old enough to even watch that. When you when say live first... action sitcom, you mean in, in, a, in a studio with the, with the live audience versus, say, a mash or something like that or... You know. Well, with people, with people, with yeah. not, you know, with, with actually not a- animation. Actually, Mash was only 11 seasons, so it's our, it does beat Mash as well. And 
it's tied with my three sons oh, wow. and two and a half men. Yeah, two and a half men. But then that's interesting because a 12-season run for My Three Sons back then translated into 380 episodes. A 12-season run for The Big Bang Theory will be probably closer to like 250, 260. Right. The so, season is much shorter uh, than it was, which is part of another element. What about some other – again, we're talking to Mark Berman. He is the editor and writer and creator of Programming Insider at ProgrammingInsider.com. Also has the Mr. Television column there and all the ins and outs of television and industry ratings and other news. Check it out at ProgrammingInsider.com. Let's look at some of the other areas. Where are sports, and like you mentioned, football, where do they stand in terms of ratings? Are we going to see more football as if we don't have enough already or some of the other areas? You mentioned wrestling's coming to Friday night on Fox. What's sort of the status of the sports in the overall viewing realm, especially with a lot of these competition uh, sites that have popped up for the other kinds of programming? Oh, football's alive and well. Football is, oh, there's been no slippage for football. It's absolutely solid. Listen, if a broadcast network could do football every night, I think they'd be very happy. I mean, you know, we are seeing more and more sports on on the broadcasters, on the local stations. It's just viewers like sports. And Fox is benefiting this year. They have Thursday night football. Their ratings are way up. NBC on Sunday is rock solid with football. It's the most watched event each week. I don't think there's any cause of concern. And if anything, you'll see more of it. I mean, it's an expense, but I think, you know, it's alive and well. Now, now, don't the networks lose money or break even with the big packages they pay for? So does it really help them? or? Well, you have to kind of put it in perspective, Joe. When you have, let's say, Sunday Night Football on NBC, you could use it to promote, you know, NBC could promote all their Right, that's shows what they do. Online. They use it to promote other things. Yeah, I mean, you're getting a, a, a very sizable audience here to promote your stuff during the week. And, you know, it's interesting also, you know, another, another thing I noticed this year a lot of people, you know, are under the impression that nobody, you know, leading doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter where a show is. It's not true. It's not true because if you look at on Monday at 10 o'clock manifest on NBC, that airs out of The Voice. It has no audience because of The Voice. On uh, Tuesday, New Amsterdam, the new medical drama, that airs out of This Is Us. And that also gets no audience because of The Voice. So, I mean, because of This Is Us. So leading still matters. It's another thing that still matters. But what about other programming in terms of news events or news magazines? How are they doing? I mean, we just had the George H.W. Bush funeral, which I thought was way overcovered, although that was a daytime issue. But are news magazines doing well or news events at night or in more populated viewing times? How are they comparing or any other kinds of programming versus the scripted traditional series? News magazines are not what they used to be. Right. I mean, you know, you know, way back when, I remember the, I remember when 60 Minutes was the most watched show. Oh, yeah. I mean, it also depends, it, it depends on what's happening in the news. But you know what? A news magazine like a 60 Minutes or a Dateline or a 2020, they don't stand out as much because you can go to any of the cable news networks to get your consumption. Right. And most of these shows now, like if you look at a 2020 or a Dateline, it's not really about news. It's about solving murder mysteries. It's murder mysteries. It's, they've all gone very tabloid, yes. But isn't 60 Minutes, where does 60 Minutes still fall usually in the weekly or monthly? 60 Minutes is still a top 20 show in okay. total viewers. It skews, it skews older. It gets an older right. audience. But it's not what it used to be. And remember, no shows it, remember, no shows are really um, uh, what they used to be because you know, there's so much more competition that everybody's ratings are down. But 60 Minutes traditionally, like any of the news magazines, they, they get an older audience. So... That's where it stands. I mean, it depends. You know, something big happens and they cover it. Yeah, but again, it's not so special anymore that if if a 60 Minutes is going to cover something, because you could see it anywhere else. It's not like it's not out there. What is the biggest change we're seeing even just in the last year in terms of you're saying the network shows are still holding their own, 
There's more competition. Is there anything that's really increasing? Where are reality shows? Have they topped out and start to go? Are they still huge? And it seems like there's a lot more or as many as ever from what I'm finding. Are they starting to dwindle a little? No, they're not dwindling at all. You know, know, the the misconception about reality is a lot of people think, oh, it's a new concept. It's not. It's been around, you know, now, of course, a lot of it's docuseries and a lot... You know, a lot of uh, you know, a lot of these reality shows aren't so real. A lot of it's scripted. Yes, but no, they're still they're still very relevant. Uh, are they huge in terms of the ratings? Not necessarily. A show like Keeping Up the Kardashians that'll last forever. The, the ratings are a shell of what it used to be, but it's still very relevant. They're still all over social media. They're still on magazine covers if there are magazines left. <laughs> and you know, so they, they, it's you know, reality is still you have shows on the broadcast networks like Survivor, Big Brother, The Bachelor, Dancing with the Stars. These shows have been on for years, years, years. Survivor can outlive all of us here. It's it's crazy how long they last, and they're still very, very relevant. So no, they're not going. That hasn't changed at all. The biggest change in the broadcast landscape is the rise of original scripted content. There is so much of it every year. I say the same thing. It's a record year. How many more are we going to get? And now, so is the, the quality good? Because I, w- I would look at that as a positive. As someone who, I will admit, I sort of look down on reality shows because I think most of them are mindless or even embarrassing in many cases. To see more scripted shows, I would think, would be a sign of innovation, no? Or are a lot of them just poorly done as well? No, a lot of it, a lot of it is very, very good. So, yes, mm-hmm. it is a sign of innovation. A lot of it is very good. I mean, there's a lot of good content out there. That's a very good thing for the Hollywood community, for people, you know, writers and directors. And yeah, there was a time when everybody was concerned that there's so much reality. There's not a lot of scripted anymore. But no, it's it's a very good sign for that. But it gets it gets to a point where how much of it can you possibly watch? There's so much of it. But so, isn't part of that with the recording element where you can basically record a show or download a show and watch it whenever you want? You're right. People only have 24 hours in a day, but you can watch a show at 10 a.m., at 2 a.m., at 12.30, whenever you want, despite when it's on. I We always record Saturday Night Live, and I, I'm not staying up till 1 o'clock in the morning anymore, but I don't think I've missed a show in 10 years, but I... Yeah. I don't think I've ever watched it exactly at the time it was on from start to finish. Usually watch it another time. So there is exactly. some more chance to watch these shows, right? There's so much there's so many hours in a day yeah. you can't get you can't watch everything. There's not it's not possible. A TV critic can't watch everything. This but there is a lot of good quality. That's right. a very good sign for the business. And that's why, you know, doing my top ten this list this year is very hard. It's hard to do. Let's give people a little plug. Again, you're at programminginsider.com, Mark Berman. When will the top ten list be out? Be well, not all the notable, not all the notable items are positive items. And I talked about, okay. you know, when Roseanne, Roseanne got fired, Megan Kelly got fired. You know, that was a big deal. Uh, the Les Moonves situation was a very big deal at CBS. You know, that you know had a lot of attention. So a lot of what I talked about that was notable was not necessarily positive. You know, it's a year where you know I think one of the positives was we have. Much more diversity, as you had mentioned. We have representation of all different types of people, which I think is wonderful, and all races. You know, and I think what you're seeing on television in content is more reflective of what society looks like. I think that's wonderful. That's a great sign for our business. You know, so that ultimately there's a lot of things. But it was really a year where, you know, the Me Too movement prevailed. And what has happened in the past is not going to happen again because people are not going to tolerate it. You also mentioned a couple incidents that were not Me Too related, which I think there's a good zero tolerance for a lot of the Me Too elements, which is important. 
and probably overdue. But there are some things you mentioned. Megyn Kelly and Roseanne got in trouble for comments or tweets that were considered offensive. Yeah. And there were a few other examples. And then just most recently, Kevin Hart was going to host the Oscars, which we talk about on TV because it's a TV show. And he got in trouble for some comments he'd made, I believe, nine or ten years ago, uh, some homophobic comments. Are, right. Where do we veer into, and of course, TV shows deal with this all the time, mostly live shows or news shows where they're interviewing people or people say things. Are we getting too PC in some of these areas? And is it is there ever a time where you can be forgiven or time can pass where you say something or tweet something that was offensive or considered anti-gay or anti-something else and maybe say, look, I was I was younger, I made a mistake, or are we still in the realm where you have to really watch what you say? And that can that affect even scripted programming where jokes uh, 10, even five years ago wouldn't be allowed today because of that situation? What's sort of the balancing line that is tough to walk? Well, I think a lot of, you know, a lot of what's happened is a lot of people that have done things in the past, that, that their past has come back to haunt them. And, you know, you have to kind of be careful because you could have a situation situation where somebody's going to accuse somebody of doing something 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Yeah. Is it true or is it not true? See, that that's coming back to haunt a lot of people. But you have to remember, if it's true and they did that, then they have to deal with it. I'm sorry. They don't have, there's no excuse. I don't care if it's 20, 30, you know, I don't care. If they did something in the past that was inappropriate like that, then now they're dealing with it and should have never been done in, in, in the first place. And I think the lesson to be learned is you've got to watch your P's and Q's. Now you have to behave a certain way. And the, the rule of thumb is now that people are not going to take it anymore. But I think what's happening is a lot of people in the past that things have happened to are now speaking out. And it's sort of like people's past have, is, are haunting them now. I'm talking about a different element. I'm talking about things like Roseanne tweeting something that's offensive and not even really getting a chance to apologize. Although she had other issues with what she did, Megyn Kelly made an a, right. a, a inappropriate comment. She's gone within right. a day. Kevin Hart is gone quickly for something he did. And I'm not talking about the Me Too issues, because that's another element. That's offensive and, and even criminal behavior in most cases. I'm talking about the PC element, where you say something that's offensive, and even if you apologize or take it back, it's too late. These, these networks are just jumping to end it quickly and get beyond it. There's a couple of ways to look at it. ABC knew that they were hiring Roseanne. They know what Roseanne's re reputation is. Mm -hmm. They know what they've done in the past. NBC hired Megyn Kelly. They know what her reputation is, and they know things that she said in the past. Yeah. And to hire Megyn Kelly and put her on the Today Show when it's a warm and fuzzy environment was not the right move to begin with. Mm -hmm. And um, do I agree with what the networks did? You know, there's two ways to look at it. If I was sitting in their shoes, I have to give them credit. I think they did the right thing. I don't think there's room anymore for somebody like Roseanne tweeting something that offensive and then having a sitcom. Yeah. She, you know, Twitter is very, very dangerous. You yes. have to be very careful. And if you're going to act a certain way, ABC is supposed to be a family network. But they knew when they hired her what her, you know, what she's capable of doing. And she did it. And they reacted by, you know, firing her. And I think they did the absolute right thing. Keeping the show alive is something else. NBC, again, knew exactly what Megyn Kelly's reputation was. She's been accused of, of racism, making racist remarks in the past. And they knew that already. And I think she made a very big mistake. She came on the next day. She apologized. But you know what? Her ratings were not good. She didn't bring a lot of viewers to the morning. And this was their excuse. Let's get rid of her now. They should have never hired her to begin with. A lot of times these things don't include the whole story. There's usually a reason behind 
They right. wanted to get rid of the person anyway, or there were other issues or problems. I compare it to when you when a uh, football or baseball team fires the manager or the coach. Usually there's something else going on if they're doing a pretty good right. job. And in the, both of these cases, you're right. They were two very controversial people. With the Kevin Hart situation, it's probably one of those things that's not worth having it hang over the show. Because that's a one-time-a-year event. If they have the whole show, even if he came out and said, I'm sorry, I learned my lesson, this was years ago, and turn it into a positive, there's so much sensitivity and quick trigger to attack and criticize that these networks, I can understand, they're, they're a business. It's easier for them to just drop the person and move on and not have to deal with the controversy. But you also have to remember that we're living in a world of social media where the yeah. viewers, you know, are, are, are commenting. So that that has a lot to do with it. Do you think this kind of sensitivity, even PC view, is affecting scripts and storylines and avoiding controversy or edgy programming because... They don't want to get the backlash. Not at all. Not yeah. at all. They're tackling a lot of different things, a lot of issues. Nothing's changed in that, that sense. Full speed ahead. And with so many programs, like you said, I would think there's even more room to push the envelope to get the audience in Absolutely. that way. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Okay. Well, we're going to let you go. Uh, what's the last word as we enter 2019 in terms of where shows are going, where the networks are going, where TV viewing is going coming six or 12 months? I think the net, I think the last word is there's a lot of quality content. I think there'll be more quality content. There's a lot of content for people to consume. There's a lot of options. There's a lot of way to consume, a lot of different ways to consume this content. You could watch it on a broadcast network. You could do it digital. You could do it digitally. You could watch on your mobile devices. You could do it however way you want it. The bottom line always is the content, and there's a lot of good content. Excellent. Well, thanks for being with us. And again, we'll be talking to Mark Berman at Programming Insider, programminginsider.com, and Mr. Television. Check it out. People can also sign up for your newsletter, which I welcome every time I see it. It's chock full of information and updates and usually a little fun humor as well. So thanks again, as always, Mark. You are welcome. And that's all for this week's edition of Joe's Media Corner. I want to thank Mark Berman from ProgrammingInsider.com for his insights and remind you that my book is out, Killing Journalism, How Greed, Laziness, and Donald Trump Are Destroying News and How We Can Save It. Check it out at Willow Street Press through Amazon.com or ask your local bookstore to order it. And as always, our sponsor is Jiminy's Dog Treats, Jiminy's Cricket Protein that's hypoallergenic, humane, nutritious, and delicious, and fights climate change. Reduce your carbon and paw print with Jiminy's Dog Treats. You can find them at Jiminy's.com. That's J-I-M-I-N-Y-S.com. And that's all for this week's edition of Joe's Media Corner. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time and have a great day. Yeah.